good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of Resistance TV. On Monday this week, the day before International Day of Solidarity with Palestine, Issa Amro, who's been a previous guest on Resistance TV, was arrested by Israeli security forces and held in custody. He was due to appear in an Israeli military court this morning, but as we're pre-recording tonight's programme, we don't know the outcome of Issa's hearing. His crime, in inverted commas, was to video an Israeli soldier brutally beating an Israeli activist whose jaw was broken in the attack. Issa then posted the savage assault on social media. Issa even challenged the assailant, but the uniformed thug boldly stated, I am the law. Following recent events and the election of a far-right government in Israel, there's now deep concern amongst activists and human rights organisations for Issa's safety and well-being. Earlier this month, for example, Israeli occupation forces imposed a closed military zone around Issa's home. Issa's activism has resulted in him being targeted by the Israeli authorities for many years now. He's the co-founder and former coordinator of the Hebron-based Youth Against Settlements Initiative. And in 2010, he was declared Human Rights Defender of the Year in Palestine by the United Nations, no less. So joining me to discuss the latest abuse of power by the Zionist entity is Miko Pellid, who himself was born in Israel. Miko served in the Israeli military and his father was the leading Israeli general who fought in the 1967 war that resulted in Israel illegally occupying large parts of Palestine. But Miko has been campaigning for Palestinian rights now for many, many years. And he's written a book about his journey entitled The General's Son that's available in the usual formats, including audiobooks. So, Mika, I know that you've expressed concerns on social media about what's happened to Issa. In fact, you even said that you feared for his life, you thought his life was in danger. Can you say a bit more about why you said that? Yes, well, thank you for having me on the show. It's it's, it's great to talk to you again. Um, and thank you for having the show. And then thank you very much for also you know bringing up the issue of Issa. We're sitting here now. Uh, some of us trying to figure out what to do because we don't even know where he is. The Israeli authorities won't even reveal his whereabouts, not even to his attorney. Um, and so there's a great cause for concern. Now, th there are two things that are happening here. One is there's been an ongoing campaign against Isa by the settlers in, in, in Hebron and by the military who, you know, who hate him. Um, and we'll, we'll, won't think anything of killing him, except that he's got an international support, uh, kind of broad support and recognition. Um, the second thing is that as a result of the, the latest Israeli elections, or the, you know, the outcome of the elections, uh, the most, um, the most rabid right-wing thugs are now, um, calling the shots. Um, Itamar Ben-Gvir, I'm sure you've heard the name. He resides in the settlement near Hebron and Kirat Arba. He has been well known to be a racist thug, you know, admiring and adoring, you know, you know, all kinds of, of figures who have killed Palestinians and so on, and calling himself for some terrible policies. He now is calling the shots, and he's going to be minister of what's called national security, which is a whole new portfolio created for him. Um, and so ever since then, we have seen an escalation you know, the incidents that you described in the introduction in Hebron, there's been arson, uh, cases of arson, countless of marches and graffiti, death to Arabs, death to Arabs, um, you know, uh, evac you know, kick out the Arabs and so on. And so there's an escalation in general throughout the entire country, because now Ben Gvir's foot soldiers, if you will, are feeling empowered. Once he takes office, 
once there's a new government installed and he takes office as this new minister of national security, he will have in his hands, he will have the power of budgets and policymaking and and uh, and and passing of laws of legislation uh, and legislation and he will be sitting in some of the most sensitive uh cabinet meetings uh he'll be part of what's called the the security cabinet which is a cabinet within the cabinet um and it is extremely dangerous for isa in particular but for palestinians in general i don't think palestinians i think what is coming up is going to be the absolute worst palestinians have ever seen I think this is going to make us look back at this year, which, as you may know, is a record record number of Palestinians killed this year, as the good old days. It's going to be much, much worse for Palestinians in 1948 and Palestinians in the West Bank and Jerusalem and Gaza because of this uh, of the results. And and the soldier, one of the soldiers that you that you mentioned, you know, proudly proudly said uh, previously. Actually, I, I've seen him talk about Ben Gvir before, saying, "I voted for Ben Gvir. We will vote for Ben Gvir." And we know that about 30% of Israeli soldiers voted for Ben Gvir. So he has got immense popularity, and this whole ideology of violence and racism is very prevalent in the military and throughout Israeli society. So I think there's a great deal of that we should be very concerned and we should do everything we can to, to step in and, uh, and demand some kind of safety for Palestinian, the lives of Palestinians. Absolutely. I mean, I know... I mean, it's quite chilling what you said there, Nico. That you know, that, I mean, given what we've witnessed over the recent past in in Palestine, that your fear is that things are going to get worse. But one of the things I found encouraging, though, is that is the strength of the resistance in Palestine seems to be growing as well. But I wonder, before we get into that, maybe whether you might be able to enlighten us a little about the the circumstance of of these military courts that uh, that Issa is going to be. Uh, or indeed, this morning will will have, will have faced, in, 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 you know. Obviously, we don't know the outcome of, of, of the hearing, but but just tell us a little bit about how the how these military courts operate. Well, to begin with, like you know, if 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 Isa was an Israeli citizen, he would be out and about. I mean, there might be charges, there might be a court hearing. You know, he would show up with a lawyer. Right now, like I said, he was arrested, and nobody knows. Nobody even knows where he is. Not even his lawyers. Uh, he's going to show up at the military court at, uh, at the offer prison camp compound, um, and um, which is like a massive fortress. And, uh, uh, you know, the judge is a settler, the prosecutor is a settler. Of course, the military courts are also military personnel. The lawyer will have a few moments with him, very, you know, quick maybe discussion with him. The proceedings are all in Hebrew. Uh, Isa speaks Hebrew, but but the, the fact that he speaks Hebrew is, you know, still most Palestinians do not speak Hebrew. Uh, the translator, by the way, is usually a settler as well. I've been to several hearings in, in previous uh, times when Isa was was in, was was in court. Uh, it's a kangaroo court. It's a joke, uh, and we don't know. They might even there's a good chance that they will postpone the hearing, and Isa will be in prison for another week, two weeks, three weeks. I mean, there's no. There's no timetable that we can rely on, and there's no way to demand any kind of timetable, because Palestinians have no rights, and you know, like, there's nobody, there's no recourse. They can't go to anyone and say, "Hey, we demand rights. We have rights, and they're not being respected because they have no rights." And nobody steps in to support Palestinians. Nobody cares about their lives. He could be shot. There's no question that he could be killed. He could be shot. He could be tortured. And there's not going to be any recourse. So this is a very, very, this is incredibly, incredibly concerning. Um, you know, he's got a 10-year-old son. 
I mean, it's terrible. It's really frightening. It's it's extremely, extremely frightening. And I'll say this again, I, I, what I said before, this new government with these this this new coalition government that's coming up is going to make us look back at this year as a good old Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, it, you know, ESA has been a advocate of, of sort of nonviolent resistance yeah. as well. And um, I mean, I know that, the, the you know, the, the sort of uh, the arms struggle, if you like, against um, the Zionist entity, you know, is growing. and. Uh, it, it, it seems that you know even somebody that has spurned um, a violent um, resistance is you know there's no there's no quarter given to to somebody like you. So you know you'd have thought if the Israeli regime was acting in good faith, you know they would they would value somebody like you. So, but that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? And what from what you're saying, things are you know going to just get worse. It's sort of just. I mean, just it seems that you know Palestinians are just treated as as animals, really. Is that? I mean, would that be a fair assessment in your well, view? Well, yes. I mean, the 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 reality the reality that that Israel has created and the reality that is that Israeli society finds completely acceptable is a reality where you've got Israeli Jews who have who have all the rights. You've got Palestinians, some Palestinians who have limited rights, and you've got other Palestinians who have no rights. And this is all within the one state which exists on Palestine, which is the apartheid state of Israel, which we, you know. But I mean, that's the reality. That's what the Israeli politicians are talking about as 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 the future of, of, of the country. Um, and, and that's what they expect Palestinians to, to accept, and that's it. Um, and unless somebody steps in and says, wait, Palestinians have rights, Palestinian lives should be protected, Palestinians, Palestinian property, Palestinian children, Palestinian um, uh, livelihood should be protected somehow, because there are no safeguards. People always talk about the security of Israel. Israel does not, does not have security issues. Palestinians, the security of Palestinians is never discussed, and that is the, that is the most burning issue. And particularly now with these new thugs who are going to be controlling the lives of Palestinians, they're going to have control over the budget, over the police, over, over law enforcement, everything that relates to the lives of Palestinians, both in the West Bank and within 1948, because they want to terrorize Palestinians throughout the entire country. Uh, is all going to be in their hands. And it is extremely, extreme. I can't even imagine, you know, how horrifying it's going to be. And nobody's stepping in. Nobody's stepping in to say, we must protect Palestinians. The safety and security of Palestinians must be guaranteed somehow. I mean, you know, when people do step in, I mean, like, for example, the Israeli activist that, that, that Issa filmed, who was being brutally assaulted, um, my information is that he's now under house arrest, and I believe a couple of female, a couple of female compatriots are, are similarly under house arrest. <laughs> the information I've received, I don't know if you've had anything. I, I, I did hear that he got ten days in 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 a military in a military prison, but I, yeah. I, I, I that's kind of I heard it through a, you know a second another. I didn't hear it directly from any direct source. Right, and right. it's interesting because one of those. Because there are two videos, one where there's a you know verbal altercation where he says to him, that's it, you're gone, you're done. Ben Gvir is going to get rid of you and the whorehouse that you run up here in Hebron and everything you do is illegal, I am the law. And then there's another one where there's a bearded soldier who uh, threw a, an activist on the ground and punched him and, like you said, broke his jaw. That one I had encountered. I was in Hebron with my kids a couple of months ago and... Um, and you know, as as things happened, you know, we were we were um, we had an altercation with 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 the soldiers, and that particular soldier with a big beard 
got right in our face and started cussing in English. And it was, it was, it was really the violence is unbelievable. And they hate the the you know anyone who comes to the aid of Palestinians is immediately an enemy. The hatred this is just is just unbelievable. And uh, so so that's and that's the reality. These are the soldiers that are there. This is and and you know these are commonplace soldiers. There's nothing unique about them. You know yeah. this is what the Israeli military is like. I mean, I got a, a very minute taste of that with the sort of abuse that I'm subjected to on social media. But in the end, it's just social media. And so it doesn't really have any you know, real meaningful impact on me in that sense. But for people on the ground, for people confronting this on a daily basis, or indeed, you know, people like yourself who you know, are not there all the time, but go there and, you know, obviously as a former Israeli person yourself, I mean, it must be, uh, it must be uh, a very intimidating experience Nico. I mean yeah, how, it's do you, terrible, how do you feel how do you feel in those circumstances when you when you've been in that situation? It's terrible. It's it's terrifying and to think what you know so it's terrifying to be in that position when you're someone like me who has the law on their side and has privilege, uh although limited as obviously that one activist uh experienced. Yeah. Uh, but um but but you know Issa was threatened by the by the brigade commander. He came to his home and threatened him. Mm. He is threatened. I saw him being threatened by soldiers. I saw settlers look at him and say, Isa, I'm going to come and murder you one day. And they said this in the open in front of cameras and in front of soldiers, and then got high fives from the soldiers. Like right that in, like like that in our face, Isa, I'm going to come and murder you one day. You're going to see this. You know, it's out there. The discourse is is that blatant, blatantly racist and violent. And nobody there's no recourse. You know, I always say, you know, Shirin Bakli was killed. You know, she was a very well-known, very well-respected journalist. If somebody suggested yeah. a year ago, or a year before she was killed, that she might be killed one day, assassinated one day, it would have seemed absurd. You know, she was killed. There was some protest. There was some, you know, condemnation. But that's it. There's no recourse. I mean, nobody's going to pay the price. Nobody's going to court. Nobody's going to jail. The same thing can happen to Isa any day now, at any moment. And and thousands of other like others like him that we don't even know. You know, Palestinian children are being killed on a daily basis. I mean, the Israeli military has gone completely haywire in murdering uh, uh, young Palestinians over the last year. It's just insane. And we see their picture on social media and, you know, everybody mourns for five minutes and then we move on because then there's the next one. And nobody sits in to say enough, not the UN, not the special rapporteur who I know and I I spoke to, not not the Europeans, not the Americans. Nobody steps in and says, we have to stop this apartheid regime. We have to stop this brutality. We have to have guarantees for the life and the safety of Palestinians. They are being butchered every single day. Their lives are in danger. And instead, what we're seeing is the Biden administration and the Europeans are silent about, about Netanyahu's coalition with these, with these uh, you know, with these racist thugs. So we know things. Well, I mean, it's, it's, in some ways, it's even worse because, uh, I mean, pro-Palestinian activism is sort of being criminalized. You know, the, the, the boycott, divestments and, and, and sanctions campaign is sort of, you know, efforts being made to outlaw in this country, I think, uh, you know, in, in parts of Europe, uh, we're seeing similar moves. And, you know, obviously the, the, the Israeli regime, the Zionist regime, is, you know, creating the climate where this sort of brutality, this violence 
is getting worse. And as you say, with the election of the uh, the extreme far right uh, administration into Israel, things could get get even worse again. But are not the the Europeans, the United States, also culpable for you know for not calling time on this? I mean, we've got I mean, the leader of the opposition. You know, looking, looking, it's looking like unless we can uh, create an alternative uh, socialist vehicle in Britain that is attractive sufficiently to the electorate by the time of the next election, it's looking likely that the Labour Party will get into power in Britain. And the leader of the Labour Party, Sir Keir Starmer, says that he supports Zionism without qualification. Yeah. Well, supporting Zionism without qualification means supporting this brutality because, I mean, at the end of the day, that you know, Zionism is a, is an appalling racist settler colonial ideology that, that actually you know promotes this this sort of behavior this is the natural conclusion of, of, of Zionism it, it seems to me I mean so are not those European political leaders and American political leaders culpable for what's happening in Israel now oh they're completely complicit they're just uh, just to add on to what you said about the the, the criminalization of uh of support for Palestine. I mean, uh, you and I met when they were coming after you for for anti with, with these ridiculous anti-Semitic charges. And and what's absurd is that uh, the Europeans, the Brits, the Americans, they're saying that they oppose anti-Semitism and that the way they oppose anti-Semitism is by supporting Israel and, and calling themselves Zionists. Well, Zionism, like anti-Semitism, is a form of racism, is a racist ideology. So to say that you oppose anti-Semitism but you support Zionism is yeah, completely, it's completely absurd. It's completely absurd. These are both racist mentalities. These are both racist ideologies. They're both calling for racism against a particular people. And so that's the absurdity of it all. And um, and yes, of course, you know, the Americans are complicit. I mean, the Americans pay $4 billion or $3.8 billion every year for Israel to do what it's doing. This is coming Isn't out that of isn't that incredible, uh, uh, Miko? I mean, there's been a lot of talk on some of the alternative uh, media channels about the colossal sums that the United States is giving to Ukraine, although a lot of that money will end up back in the coffers of the military-industrial complex in the US. And yet you've got people sleeping on every, every bridge in every town and city in the United States of America. And we, I mean, you know, we've not quite got quite as bad as that in this country, but... We saw Rishi Sunak, the um, you know the new uh, British Prime Minister over in uh, Ukraine, and uh, talking about how much they supported them, giving them huge, huge finance. While we similarly have uh, you know huge uh, social problems of, of homelessness and other and other issues with national health service collapsing, etc. And yeah, these politicians, you know, you know, quite happily will will throw money at uh, at Israel. I mean. Yeah. It's, it's foreign aid to a country that is rich and has these no needs. I mean, if you want to give foreign aid, give foreign aid. There's plenty of countries that can use foreign aid. Israel doesn't need foreign aid. And it is money that is going to the to, precisely towards the killing and oppression of Palestinians. That's all it is. And and like you said, the Europeans, the Americans, they are all and you know, these new uh, Arab regimes that have signed on to the Abraham Accords, they are all supporting this terrible oppression. Against the Palestinians, the killing, yeah. the brutality, the kill, the, 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 the this criminal uh, regime that all is all that they want is to destroy Palestine and to destroy the Palestinian people, and they do it in the most in, in the most cruel methods and the most yeah, cruel. Yeah, no, indeed. 
Although you know you, you mentioned you mentioned the Abraham Accords and the, the you know the Arab leadership that, that, that are talking about normalising relations with with Israel, but for me I think it shows how out of touch they are with their people just by the reaction that we're seeing at the World Cup, okay. where obviously you know it's on the doorstep. A lot of Arab um, nations uh, or people from various Arab nations there, you know, at the World Cup, and uh, they're 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 venting, you know, their feelings about the situation in Palestine, showing their support very, very visibly uh, and volubly for the Palestinian cause, and indeed giving uh, some of the Israeli um, uh, news uh, uh, reporters, and if you've seen any of the, uh, the clips on social media, where they've certainly been giving them a, you know, a piece of their mind. So, so, so to me, it kind of, that's an indication, I think, that, the, that those leaders you know, are, are out of touch, but then you know, aren't leaders often out of touch with their people? I want to know, I know I remember speaking to you a few years ago, Nico, uh, uh, and you, you were optimistic about the future for Palestine. I think you said something online, you know, you wouldn't be doing what you do. You wouldn't be campaigning in the passionate way that you are, you know, if you, if you didn't feel that there was a, a positive end result, you know, a, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, are you still optimistic that... The well, no, it's, the Palestinians it's, it's, will be resolved, you know, favorably. I think that you know, I think hope is something we create. I mean, it's not there to for the taking. We create the hope and we create the optimism. I think that at the end of the day, Palestinians will prevail. I think the Zionist regime will collapse. When we look at this state, at the Israeli state, um, you know, Israel used to be very proud of its healthcare system, its education system, its judicial yeah. system. Uh, the military were all very, you know, honest and incorruptible, and and, and uh, provided important services, and they're all completely bankrupt. The Israeli healthcare system is bankrupt. You know, Hadassah, which used to be the flagship of Israeli healthcare, is is bankrupt. Doctors can't get away fast enough. Nobody wants to work there. The Israeli education system is bankrupt. It's falling apart from from you know, we're talking about young age education all the way through high education. The military is completely corrupt. I mean, the military, the Israeli generals, if they had to fight, if they had to lead uh, their, 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 this Israeli army in, into a real war, they would lose if, if very quickly. They have no experience, they have a lot of firepower, but they don't have the skills, the, 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 the quality of personnel, the motivation to, to defeat another military. You know, people talk about this idea of maybe Iran, which I don't think is ever gonna happen, but Israel will be defeated very easily. I think if they have to face a, a well-trained army, as we saw them with Hezbollah, I mean they were defeated easily. So the Israeli military is is, is completely is completely uh, uh, full of hot air. Uh, the Israeli police is completely corrupt. Every time they have to find an Israeli police commissioner, there's always issues because they can never find an officer who would be able to pass the rigorous um, uh, you know parliamentary committees that you know because of corruption issues or or, or sexual abuse issues. So I mean, at every stage where you look at the state, the Israeli state, it's collapsing. It's 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 being held by in its threadbare. But they have money and they have, like I said, firepower, and that's what's keeping them alive. So I think, on the one hand, the fact that Palestinians do persevere and are fighting and do not give up, and uh, and on the other hand, the fact that the state is collapsing, uh, I think I think I think it is inevitable. I think it's inevitable. That we will see a free Palestine, you know, certainly in our lifetimes. Um, but well, we're gonna, yeah. we'll have to work. Uh, in other words, we're going to have to push. We're going to have to work. Uh, hard. Absolutely. I mean, I want to sort of come on to that. But I've heard 
uh, you know, senior figures actually for the prime minister in uh, in Israel. You know, talking in terms that you know they couldn't they they they, they I can't remember the price phraseology they used, but it was along the lines that they they could foresee a time you know when you know the, the Israeli regime you know might, might, could could collapse. You know, and, uh, I think it's a sort of a, a, a rallying cry maybe. That is, but but it's interesting to you know to hear them speaking in those in those terms. But look, I mean. Vico, you're you're based in in the states, and as you mentioned, the US give you know, huge support, financial support to uh, Israel, um, without which I suspect they they might struggle. Do you do you, do you see any any change in that? Or is or is a is the moves afoot in the US to, to 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 force a political change in regards to the support that they are giving to? I know that sort of Trump sort of plays to the kind of Christian Zionist uh, zealots, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a sort of a political tool. But I just wonder whether there's been, you know, are there any straws in the wind in the United States? Any kind of grassroots uprising against the way in which the United States policy towards Israel has been carried out? You know, there's very marginal change. But the problem is that we're always reactive. You know, the Palestinian issue. The Palestinian struggle does not have a mother and a father. There are no parents. There's nobody running it. And um, the few little groups, you know, grassroots groups or NGO groups that try to, you know, um, somehow lobby for Palestinian rights or, or, or promote the idea of Palestinian rights are very small and they're insignificant and they can't compete. They're not even trying to compete with the Israelis. And so, and, and they're always reactive. Nobody's initiating anything. Nobody's initiating anything. You know, as an example, you know, there are several Arab countries and Muslim countries who refuse to join the Abraham Accords. You know, we should be there supporting them. We should be there talking to people on the ground, talking to, you know, to, 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 to social activists, talking to some of the leaders, saying, you know, creating this moment, creating a campaign to, you know, to strengthen them. Because they're not going to stay there forever. At some point, the push to join the Abraham Accord is going to be, you know, just too tempting. Uh, you know, things like that. There's nobody initiating anything. And, and until I think we come to a point where the Palestinian issue does have a parent, some sort of a parent, somebody who is initiating, somebody who is um, catching up to the Zionists, then we're, we're not going to see any change. And this is how it's true in America. I think it's true in Europe. It's true in the UK. Um, the, you know, they're passing, you know, the, you know, you know about the IHRA definition uh, mm. of anti-Semitism, right? This, this complete nonsense. So there's a, a county, a local county adjacent to Washington, D.C., which just passed, the, you know, adopted this resolution. And they did it in secret. They didn't even announce it. And somehow it was found out, so then they postponed it. But then they did it again in secret and saying, well, we have to fight anti-Semitism. Why? What the hell? What the, What for? I mean, what was wrong with the old definition of anti-Semitism? You know, if there's a racist well, problem. The dictionary definition, the dictionary definition, the Oxford dictionary definition. I've got the Oxford dictionary uh, here. Uh, Nico, and uh, I think if you look in there for what the definition of anti-Semitism, it's very straightforward. Completely. You know, you, you, you don't need, I don't know, how many words are there in the IHRA working definition? I mean, well, it's all about, about it's all about, it's yes, I mean, it's all about, um, it's all about, basically, stopping, like you say, criticism of, of, of Israel. That's entirely what it's about. But just in terms of, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, Palestinian liberation. I've, I've seen Palestinian activists on the ground saying that their 
liberation, you know, won't come from outside. It'll come from their own efforts. And, you know, as we were saying earlier in our conversation this evening, the, you know, the strength of the uh, Palestinian resistance on, on the ground uh, does seem to be stronger than it's been for some time. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, do, do you see the salvation is in their own hands rather than necessarily relying on, on external support? You know, Palestinians are, are like are like are like inmates in a maximum security prison. They're capable of having a little thing here, a little thing there. There's a little operation here, a little operation there. There are people like Isa, you know, who are doing things. You know, but there's no strategy. There's obviously, you know, there's no there's no movement. There's no nothing even that even remotely remotely can challenge Israel, not militarily, not diplomatically. Uh, not politically in any even stretch of the imagination. There's no way Palestinians can do this unless we all gear up and there and create some kind of an entity that promotes a free Palestine. Full stop. You know you can't expand. It's it's you know inmates in a maximum security prison cannot strategize they cannot you know everything they do is list you know they're either followed by the israeli intelligence services or the palestinian authority intelligence services and you've got people on this side that don't like these people you know you've got all these issues there's no way palestine you can't you can't go from jerusalem to hebron without everybody knowing you know and being at your palestine you're probably going to be arrested i mean it's impossible there has to be a serious organization on the outside in london in washington dc where there is real strategic thinking, where there is real forward thinking, where the issue is not peace, not dialogue, not reconciliation, but an absolute free Palestine, an absolute, uh, um, you know, a, a surrender of the Zionist regime, exactly like was done with apartheid South Africa. You know, the South Africans had the ANC, they had the South African Communist Party, they had, you know, they had Mandela, they had Joe Slobo, they had, they, they, were, they were parents to the struggle. Yeah, nothing's perfect, but there were parents. There were there there were serious forces that were uncompromising. In Palestine, we don't have that. It was destroyed. Whatever little there was has been destroyed, and there's nothing that's taking its place. And it has to come, I think, from Washington D.C. It has to come from London. That's where the power is. That's where the influence is. And I think that's the only places that can actually bring about change. And of course, the the, the struggle against. Apartheid in South Africa had a, had a worldwide kind of social movement behind it, and but that, in terms of Palestinian uh, liberation, um, has been hampered by things like the IHRA, and so this is so-called new anti-Semitism, which is obviously criticism of, of Israel, and that's clearly a deliberate political ploy, political tactic. The sort of things that we are exposing on our program that I host, the Palestine Declassified, a weekly program looking at the. Uh, Efforts of the uh, Israeli regime to or the war, basically against um, against global solidarity with the illegally occupied people of Palestine. But you know, uh, Nico, you were saying that uh, a lot of the you know the health system in in Israel is collapsing. A lot of it's kind of you know it's sort of functions, it's social services, if you like that. Yeah. to pride itself on of falling apart. I mean, is, is, there, is there a possibility that it might destroy itself? It will. There's no question that it will. I think if we, I think there's no question that it will, but it's got the means because there's so much money 
uh, and the economy is 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 uh, is strong, uh, and it's got this international support that that it it can hold it can hold on for a very long time. Uh, it can hold on for a very very long time. I mean, the poor are getting poorer, the rich are getting richer. Of course, the Palestinians are the poorest of the poor. Um, uh, but it can hold on. I mean, it can hold on. And as long as it holds on, Palestinians are going to be killed. Palestinians are going to be suffering. You know, we can see Isa be killed. You know, Isa killed. We can see, you know, a thousand Isa killed before anything happens. Um, and so while, yes, I do think the system, the, the, all, the, all the systems of the state of Israel are falling apart, are collapsing without any doubt. I mean, look how many elections they've had over the last... Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if that is not a sign of instability, I don't know what it is. You know, and it's not because of ideological differences. This is not because of ideological differences. It's only, the only difference, the only argument between the different parties is who gets to sit in the prime minister's seat. That's it. That's the only argument. And right, right now, of course, Netanyahu, he's the, he's the most experienced. He's the, you know, he's the, he's the big dog. Nobody can, nobody can challenge him. And I think it was pretty obvious that he was going to come back. Yeah. Um, but that's the only difference. Ideologically, there are no differences. They all kill Palestinians wholesale, whether they're generals or whether they're, they're just regular politicians. You know, this is not even an issue. Palestinian rights, human rights, democracy is, is not that. They don't care about that. They don't care about social issues. They don't care about workers. You know, they don't care about the kind of values that I know you, you, you and I feel very strongly about. They don't care about that. They're quite happy to create this, um, this, 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 this bubble. Uh, and they just want to be governed. They just want to be the ones with the budget doing whatever they want. Ah, looks like we've lost Miko's signal there. So I think we're probably going to have to call it a night there now. I hope you found the, the programme interesting anyway for the uh, 40 minutes or so that we did have Miko online. Thanks for watching this evening. We'll be back next week on Resistance TV. So hopefully you'll join us then. Thanks for watching this evening and good night.